Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. He didn't really flinch. I mean, again, he's a lawyer, so he's a poker face, a really good poker face, and definitely didn't flinch when I said it. So definitely made me, you know, he made he made sure I knew that it was going to be hard, but he also didn't make me believe that I couldn't do it. This is On the Fence with Monica Oxsamet. Welcome back to On the Fence. I'm your host, Monica Axamet, and today we have yet another very special guest, somebody that I have looked up to for quite some time now. She has 82 wins. She's a four-time Olympian and a three-time Olympic medalist. She's a World Cup Alpine ski racer on the U.S. ski team, Lindsay Vaughn. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. I mean, I don't know if you know, but you're somebody I've always looked up to. So having you on here is kind of a big deal. And when I got a chance to meet you was also, I was shaking a little bit. I'm not gonna oh. Yeah, it was cute. I That's saw cute. you. I was like, oh my God, can I go talk to her? My friend's like, shut up, go talk to her. Yeah, just come talk to me. I mean, I think I'm kind of normal, but. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's always difficult to go up to somebody you've always looked up to. And you're like, I mean, I don't know. We always put all these people up on pedestals. Yeah. No, you definitely um, made my day that day. Well, I appreciate it. And um, I'm glad I met you. Yeah, likewise. All right. So I watched your documentary, which was incredible, inspiring. So I, first of all, I tell every athlete that they should be watching it. You know, nobody really gets to see all the things we go through as athletes. You know, they see our results. They don't even truly care if we're injured or not. They're like, oh, this person sucks. They didn't perform without thinking of what else could be happening in our lives, either, either personal or injuries. So, I mean, seeing you battling through all of that, I mean, it was heartbreaking as an athlete. Obviously, I understand how you felt. I've had injuries, not to your extent but I think watching you go through that kind of just put a whole nother perspective on sports even for me like I said an athlete but to start off for those that might not know how did you find your way into skiing I I mean I started skiing when I was two and a half in Minnesota and my dad was a skier kind of you know my whole family on my dad's side were skiers and yeah I grew up in Minnesota and I I again I wasn't very good at skiing I just really always really liked it um, I tried other sports and I was just bad at everything. So skiing was kind of what I gravitated towards. Uh, I never really liked the cold. Um, fun fact. I hate the cold too. Honestly. <laughs> it's not my thing. But yeah, it was kind of like, you know, fam- my family always did it. So we always did it together. And that's kind of what, you know, drew me into the sport. And then my love for competition is kind of what kept me there. Gotcha. And you're competitive about everything? Like most Olympians? Yeah, pretty much everything. Yep. It's yep. Uh, that's a thing. It's a problem. Yep, it is. And it's funny because no one ever understands. They're like, you can't have fun. Like, like card games during the pandemic, I would like throw them down on the table. And I was like, you guys are cheating. Like, you guys are playing against me. I need to leave. And I would walk out. They're like, why is she taking this so seriously? Like, because it's a competition and I'm yeah. going to win. So everything. Yeah. Especially in the pandemic when I didn't have any competitions. I needed something. Yeah, exactly. I was like, horseshoes. Nope, I'm going to win this. Yep. Sandbag. Dominate. This. Yep. Oh my God. I understand. So that means you weren't always, well, you were super into skiing as in, in a family thing, but like you were saying, not really what, so what made you get competitive or want to be competitive in skiing? Um, all my friends were racing and it, you know, my, it was something my dad did. My dad was a racer growing up, so it made a lot of sense to do it. And then, uh, when I met Peekaboo street, when I was nine, she was like my idol. And I met her at an autograph signing in Minnesota. And after I saw her, I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. And I want to be her. So from then on, it was more, you know, focused goal to make the Olympics. But before that it was just really, cause I loved it and my friends were doing it and my 
you know, my dad did it growing up. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. I think that's most people's stories of they have fun doing it, which obviously is pretty important in order to be going down the line. If you don't love yeah. it, you're going to end up hating it because all the sacrifice and there's days we go to practice where we don't want to go to practice, but we're only going to get better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the same thing for me where I loved it. I wanted to, or I was competing, but I didn't really cared about getting to the next level as much until I watched the 2004 Olympics where Marielle won the first gold medal. And that's when I was like, I also want to be Olympian. I want to do the same thing. And that escalated everything for me as well. Yeah, I feel like you need something tangible to look towards. Yeah. It's not really real until you see something. Yeah. When you decided to do it, did your parents like go to the Olympics? Were, were your parents like, oh yeah, you can do it? Or were they kind of like, huh, like weird. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Go for it. Um, no, they were, I mean, you know, my dad later told me that he was kind of like laughing, chuckling to himself at the fact that I said I wanted to be an Olympian. But when I told him, he was like, okay, well, you realize, you know, how hard this is going to be and the sacrifices that you're going to need to make. And I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, sure. Yeah, it's good. Great. It's like, how do I do it? And, uh, you know, he, you know, he kind of laid it out for me what I needed to do the next you know, seven years to make it and kind of help guide me along the way. And, you know, what, what I needed to be ranking wise and, you know, what races I need to be in. And so he kind of, you know, helped me through that, but he didn't really flinch. I mean, again, he's a lawyer. So he's a poker face, a really good yeah. poker face and definitely didn't flinch when I said it. So it definitely made me, you know, he made, he made sure I knew that it was going to be hard, but he also didn't make me believe that I couldn't do it. Gotcha. Yeah, similar. Well, not similar for me. My grandparents, even though my grandpa was the only athlete in our family, they kind of were like, yeah, okay, you're going to become an Olympian. Sounds good. And I told my mom, who does not have a poker face, she speaks her mind all the time. And she's like, yeah. okay. And then you're also going to be a doctor too. I'm like, Those <laughs> everything, things, all they the don't relate. Time. Like, I want to be Olympian. And she's like, yeah, and a doctor and a brain surgeon. I was like, I don't, sounds like you're being a little crazy here. And we still laughed at that day. I'm like, you thought I was crazy. And she's like, yeah, you were 14. And you're like, I'm going to the Olympics. Who looks at that kid and thinks sanity? She's like, but here you it's, are. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of kids say that a lot of parents think the same but then some do make it. Yeah, and then they realize we're slightly crazy because yes, every Olympian has a little crazy in them. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so your dad's part of your support system. Uh, anybody else that you would say? Yeah, I mean, my whole family, you know, my mom um, was always very positive and, you know, I never heard the word no, you know, it was just, you know, kind of making me understand what I had to do in order to get there. So I always felt like I was supported. It was just up to me whether I wanted to work hard enough to get there. Right. Um, and, you know, my siblings too, I'm the oldest of five and we all moved to Colorado when I was 12 and none of them complained. You know, they all knew that it was for me and so that we, you know, I could make the Olympic team and uh, they never had a chip on their shoulder. They weren't ever resentful. Like they were all just incredibly supportive and I wouldn't be able to have been able to do it without, you know, their support. And, you know, of course, coaches, um, I had a lot of great coaches growing up. My dad's coach actually was my coach in Minnesota, um, Eric Seiler. And then, um, you know, I had the same coach in the US ski team from the time I was 16 until I retired, Alex Hodelmoser. So like I had a lot of consistency there. And, you know, some people came, some people went, but uh, like the most important thing is that I always felt like I had a great team and you can never get to that level without a great team. Yeah, I th that's that's one of the things I don't think people understand is, I mean, everything that goes into being an athlete. I mean, regular people have a day off where they're not focused, they're not motivated, they don't want to get out of bed. For us, that could mean winning a competition. So, and there's times like as any normal person, we don't believe in ourselves, but it's our support system being like, are you stupid? Like you've had all these amazing results. How do you not believe in yourself? Yeah. And I mean, as I was saying before, if I don't think I would have 
ever gone anywhere close to where I am today as an athlete, if it wasn't for my coach believing in me and fighting for me, my mom. Yeah. And it's normal to have doubts, but it's those people that really support you and remind you of, you shouldn't be having these doubts. You can absolutely do this. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent agree. Yeah. So uh, in what ways would you say they, they supported you? Did everybody have a different role? Did everybody just kind of do the right thing? Yeah. I think everyone had a different role. Um, I mean, you know, my parents play different roles. Again, my mom was really supportive and my dad was kind of helping guide me from like a strategical standpoint on what races to, to enter. And, um, you know, then when I was on the team, you know, I had some coaches that were more, you know, positive reinforcement. Some were like, you know, kind of, you know, more build you down, tear you down and build you up, you know, type situation. I think, you know, it all affected me in different ways. And I think I learned something from everybody. I think the biggest too is like having good ski technicians because that's a huge um, role and very underrated and undervalued. And uh, I had this guy, Heinz, Heinzy, yeah, and he was just the best. I mean, he, he, like every time I won, he cried, you know, it was like, we so were such a good team. And I, and, you know, it's hard to find someone that cares as much about your job as you do, especially right. because, you know, he's not the one racing I am. And, and so it was like, he put his heart into it and, uh, you know, that, that made it so much more rewarding when we did win together. Yeah. It was amazing to see like your, the support system that was traveling with you and seeing everybody celebrate like while you were competing I think that that will like conveyed everything that I think needs to be said about having a support system like they did like you could literally see all of them were cheering you on and like you cried they cried but they were there to hold you up so I thought that was incredible and I I mean I wish every athlete could have you know being able to have that kind of support system off the field on the field and all of that because I think it was yeah. incredible no it's it's so important and it, you know some people get that and some people don't I think it makes such a big difference and like yeah. your your success I mean, I think you can overcome it, but I think you really need those kinds of people that, you know, you can really rely on because you can, I mean, no Olympic athlete gets to the Olympics without a serious support system. Like this is not possible. No, it's not possible. Um, You know, like even a a highly successful CEO is never going to be successful without everyone else that works in the company. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, it's also putting the team together around you that can be successful. You know, it's like once you get to the certain level, you have to surround yourself with people that will be real with you and, you know, push you and not be yes, you know, yes people. Um, And then also, you know, like skiing is a team sport it's an individual sport, but it's also like a team sport. Like we travel together and, um, and I always felt like, especially in the last few years of my career, you know, my teammates were always really supportive and that makes it so much less stressful. And when you're traveling and, you know, you have friends and you can, you know, have dinner with them and, you know, go shopping or whatever, like just that little mental break is really important. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And that's a difference too. And obviously most people know more about the team sport than individual sports, but exactly what you're saying, like we're all same thing with fencing. We're all competitors against each other, but we also have like a team event so yeah. we all have to come together, but you're also like stressed out and you're yeah. kind of mad at each other because you're competing against each other. And like the competition ends, you're like, okay, well, why don't we all go hang out? And you kind of have to drop all those things and just forget. Yeah. And it's funny because you start doing it and it just comes naturally to you because these are people that understand you from the comp- competition side. And they obviously just have known you from traveling. So yeah, that's another factor of 
of things, again, people don't really get to see from watching competitions. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So do you think skiing in the spotlight affected you at all while you're competing? So for us, for example, like that's not a thing. We never even get to fill stadiums because it's just such a small sport. Yeah. For me, the first time I actually had spotlight on me was at the Olympics and I choked for a little bit, but you guys deal with that on a regular basis. So what would you say about that? I mean, we don't always have full stadiums. We don't always have a lot of spectators. I think um, I mainly felt the pressure from media, you know, Uh, that was kind of a constant, you know, I think at some of the bigger events, like the world championships, it took me a minute to kind of like figure out the press conferences and, and, you know, how to manage expectations of myself and other people's expectations and um, realizing, you know, what's my goal as opposed to what's everyone else's goal for me Um, and really separating those two because it can get really convoluted and then you can feel unnecessary pressure, um, you know, from a lot of different angles. Um, And so for me, it was just finding out, you know, how to block everything out and focus on my job. And I really got good at compartmentalizing everything. So really nothing by the end, nothing affected me, you know, whether it was personal, whether it was media, whether it was, you know, just someone random on the street saying something to me, like nothing, you know, really you know, could get under my skin. But that's, again, in the field of play, you know, outside of the field of play is was totally different. Right. Um, you know, and then social media became, you know, harder for me to deal with. But I think in the field of play, it was by the end pretty easy. Yeah, I, that's I mean, that's something I, if an athlete can't really compartmentalize like all their different stuff, like there's I can't see how you can be successful because there's so many different yeah. factors. And social media definitely is something that before the Olympics, I never had to deal with or like it was just like my friends following me, some random strangers. But now having a following. Wow, that has been such like an additional level to everything of like trying to qualify and everybody like anytime I go live or do questions or comments they're like oh did you qualify for the Olympics like shut up like yeah, I know. This is something that's like prominent in my mind I, like when I leave practice I don't want to think about it even though yeah. we still do like I mean there's nights I couldn't sleep and like having the uh, that additional pressure of all these people just sucks and again I'm I'm sure most people that are asking these questions don't really understand that. They're like, oh, we're trying to support you. Yeah, but you don't understand but adding you're adding additional pressure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that yeah, definitely yeah. sucks. Yeah, it's definitely hard. And it's hard to, you know, have people understand that. Um, and that's, I think, kind of why, too, when I was competing, I never was really around very many people because I just didn't want any distractions. Um, I had enough you know, distractions as it was. So um, I only have like really three or four good friends and, you know, they they know the drill. They know, you know, when yeah. I can be around and when I can't. And so it's nice to know that they're going to be there, even though, you know, I'm kind of distanced myself when I'm competing. Yeah. Uh, how was it actually now you kind of brought up something? How was it becoming an athlete? My dog's. Having a dream. So cute. Um, becoming yeah. an athlete as a kid. So, like, obviously, you have your priorities in line. So, you're not going to parties. You're not hanging out with your friends because you have to go to practice. How did you, how was that whole factor in your life? I mean, that was a constant thing that I was always dealing with. And even when I got, you know, with my athlete friends, like with skis, other skiers, they were all partying too. Right. <clears throat> like, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I was at races, you know, rooming with people and I was the only one in the room, you know, and, they're uh, that, yeah. and everyone would go out and, I would be the, the, you know, the not cool kid that, you know, was never social. And I just, it wasn't, I didn't want to be social. It was just, I wanted to win the race. And, right. you know, I had my priority, um, at, for winning, you know, that was, that was always my priority. And I always knew that, you know, I worked that hard to get there. I'm not going to ruin it by going yeah. out partying. Like that makes yeah. zero sense to me. So, um, and again, in, in mountain towns too, you know, there's not a lot 
to do. So it was kind of a thing, you know, with a lot of kids and they would always go out. And again, I just never really, I always knew the consequences and I never right. wanted, I, I never wanted those consequences. I, I wanted to win. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's one of the differences of like talking to different Olympians between like us and the non-successful athletes, I guess. Cause same thing of like, as a kid, I remember like losing friends all the time and it honestly didn't even really affect me. I was like, kind of like, okay, well these people and I have different priorities, which I don't know how I was grasping that at that age. I guess it was just like me knowing what's important to me. And I was like, oh, these people just don't align. But I mean, I, I barely have any friends from high school because I just was never there. Yeah. Same. I'm talking there and they just don't really understand what I'm doing. I mean, most people thought I water skied. Yeah. Know? For me, it was people um, thought I was building fences. <laughs> yeah. Construction at an early age, you know? Yeah. yeah. Child Makes labor. Sense. Makes sense. Yeah. So, um, and it's funny, like if I do like run into people from high school and they're like, oh, do you remember this teacher? I'm like, yo, I wasn't in school. Like I did my schoolwork yeah. and I was out. Like my name, my, my brain was not there. I, yeah. What I had to do was that. And I went to practice, but that's what I was saying. Like, I think it's a certain level of crazy of from a young age. I was like, this is my priority. This is what I want to be doing. You guys don't align yeah. with that. That's fine. And I I mean, I've built my circle is small of friends, but they're all people that just completely understand. Like they know exactly, you know, like after I don't do well a competition, you don't call me, you like send me a, like an, I love you. That's it. You don't push. So they yeah. just have learned because they wanted to be there for you, but that's not everybody. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally understand that. But again, people don't. So it's always funny telling them they're like, what do you mean? You don't have friends for high school or you're doing high school practicing. Yeah. <laughs> and then I never went to college either. So it's like, they're like, where are your college friends? Why don't you watch college sports? Why don't I? I'm like, well, I no, I don't know anything of what you're talking about. So right. let's just move on from there. Yeah. So it was just funny that like, pe- again, people just go off of like the, the average of what everybody else is doing. They're like, you didn't do that. That's crazy. It's like, well, again, certain level of crazy to get to where I wanted to be because that's all I cared about my entire life. But it's pretty much worth it. I agree. Okay. So what would you say is your, was your biggest obstacle struggle that you had to overcome? I'm sure there was many, <laughs> but biggest <laughs> one. That's a hard one. I mean, I think, you know, injuries were obviously a big one. I've had a lot of injuries. Um, they all had their own challenges. Yep. I think, I think also like for me, other people's expectations have been a big challenge for me. And I mean, not that they have effect, I think that maybe more of a motivational factor. Mm-hmm. Um, than anything, but I don't know. I mean, again, like as time went on and in my career, I've always had different challenges, like from diff- all different like aspects of my life, from injury to personal life, to family, to, you know, physically, mentally, it's it, like, there's so many things thrown at me. There's like, a constant game of whack-a-mole. And yeah. I'm like, you know, there's never not a problem. So I can't really say it's one thing. It's like a million and it was just kind of grinding every day, but it never really felt like a grind because I love what I did. So, yeah, no, that sounds like an accurate answer because like same exact thing of like, when I write these questions, I kind of think about that. And I was like, I don't have one. No, there's it's not like so many thing. things. Yeah. It's kind of everything. And it's not letting any of those things get to you that you know, allows you to get to where you want to go. Yep. And reaching that, that level of, of mental stability and strength just to be able to tackle. And it's kind of like, okay. And you learn of, I mean, like we were talking about how I didn't get a chance to qualify and it was kind of like, okay, it is what it is. It sucked. I I processed it, but like, I don't know. I feel like we kind of, to a certain degree become robots and then things hit us later because like, we just learned that like, okay, things happen. Yeah. Can't do anything about it. All right, let's move on. Yeah. You definitely, we'll definitely learn how to process things differently. Yep. Because we, there's so many variables that we can't control. So 
focus on the only things that you can. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's like always when my friends are like, I'm confused how you handle that so well. Like, okay, well, cause like there's nothing I can do about it. Like yeah. I processed it and moved on. Like it'll hit me in a few days, but it'll yeah. be different than like a normal person. Exactly. Uh, so what would you say is your driving, your driving force in sports? Like what's my motiv- biggest motivation? Mm-hmm. Winning. Yeah. <laughs> Every Olympians is the same thing. <laughs> really like winning. Yeah. I also just like going fast. So it's kind of a great combination because, you know, it's like, I love pushing myself. I love the challenge of it. And so I feel like winning is just the reward of, you know, pushing myself to my limits, which is like what I enjoy most. So, you know, it's like, you can't have one without the other, which is what makes right. it cool. Right. Yeah. It's like seeing everything that you've been doing to get to this level and then you're winning and you're like, yeah, I'm like, and then I got to keep doing it. Yeah. yeah. It's literally like an addiction though. Yes. Which is there, there lies the problem when you retire. I'll tell you that right now. So it's heavy withdrawal. It's not cool. It makes sense. Yeah. Completely understand. That's where I'm at of like, do I retire? Do I keep going? That's like, I'm sure hard for you to decide. You're like, well, like I, I'm You're addicted young. to this thing. You're young. You have time. I would say keep going as long as you can. Cause once over it's, it's definitely over. And then there's no going back. That's literally, that's what's going on in my head. Yep. But then we have the financial struggles in fencing because it's such a niche sport. So that's kind of like one of my factors. But like what you're saying, it's like, yeah, but then when I retire, it's over and I have these feelings back. So which one do I really want to be focusing on? You can work and do other things for the rest of your life, but you can't compete for the rest of your life. So I would do it as long as you can until you don't enjoy it anymore. And once you don't enjoy it anymore, then you can stop. But I would say, you know, definitely keep going as long as you can. Cause I love it. You will regret it. Good to know from somebody that had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't um, have retired if I wasn't physically forced to retire. Let's just say that. Yeah. I, I saw in the documentary, watch that happen, but that's actually, again, a lot of athletes because we do get like, that is the thing that we are. That's how we define ourselves for the yeah. longest time. And I was talking to somebody about some guy that she was seeing and he like, he was a boxer and she was like, yeah, he was like one of the most insecure people after he retired. And I was like, it honestly kind of makes sense because like, this is what we did our entire lives. And that's kind of how we were defined. And then you like move on into the world and you have to figure things out again, which is again, another challenge. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's different because you, you know, I felt like I relied on skiing for a lot of my confidence outside of skiing. So I'm going to take it away and the same thing, the insecurities come out. Um, and I was already pretty insecure to begin with outside of skiing. So, you know, really didn't help anything. And then, you know, it took me as it was a hard transition, like a year and a half was a really big struggle. And then honestly, the pandemic was like one of the best things that ever happened to me. Cause I actually had to like sit and think about myself and what I want and who I am and all of these things. And I finally kind of processed everything and I figured it out and now I'm great. I mean, probably the best I've ever been in my life because I don't need anything or anyone. I'm just happy being me, which has not been the case, you know, in the past. So, you know, but it's a, again, it's a transition and everyone's got to do it in their own way. Some people get over it by having kids. Some people get over it by, you know, going off the deep end. You know, there's, there's a lot of different ways that one can retire and not all of them lead to a good place. So yeah. I'm just happy that I'm kind of in on the right side of things and in a good place now. I mean, like I've messaged you, you look great. You're killing it. So I'm, I mean, I'm glad to see, you know, when people do do it, cause I know it's difficult cause I'm the one like teetering on it. So I understand, or I, I feel like I can understand what you were going through. Yeah. It's uh, I feel like I kind of was pretty open about most of it. 
And I'm also coming, my, my book's launching in like a couple months. So I kind of go into a little bit more there, but yeah, it's just been a, it's been a crazy process and transition. Well, you tackle it with grace. Thank you. It's very kind of you to say. It's it. true though. So don't worry. I'm not, I'm not sugarcoating it. I'm, I tell, I say it how it is. Sometimes Thanks. good, sometimes bad. Um, it's better to be honest than not. So I agree. If only more people were honest, we, our world would look a lot different. I'd say that very different. I agree. Uh, what would you say was your driving force in life? Was it the same as it is in skiing of just being the best or is it any different now that you've retired? Just being happy. Like, I mean, I think honestly, like skiing always made me happy. That's why I did it. And, you know, whenever I do something, a job or a project, it's always because it like makes me happy and I get excited to do it. So it's always kind of like been the underlying focus. You know, it's never, I don't do things because I have to do them. I do things because I want to do them. Um, And I think just that makes, that keeps things authentic and then it helps things be more successful. And in the end, it's a better choice. Like I've turned down a lot of things because I don't believe in them or I don't, I don't want to work with this particular company or, you know, it, it just doesn't it's not who I am. And so I think just having that be my compass has always been really beneficial. Yeah. It's actually super refreshing to hear that because most people are driven by money. And then like, I mean, even like in the content creator space that people are like, yeah, I take these deals because they're paying good money. I'm like, I'm not going to push this on my followers if I don't believe in it. Like, yeah, I mean, long-term strategy at all. Yeah. Like, yeah, I could definitely use the money. I mean, I have like 7 million different side hustles. So like taking this few thousand dollar deal would be great, but I don't believe in it. I don't want to be tied to this project. Like yeah. I'm absolutely not doing it. So it's, it's very refreshing to hear somebody say like, Oh, I mean, it doesn't align with me. It doesn't make me happy. I don't want to work with them. Cause I don't like them the way they go about things or whatever. So again, I wish more people were doing that. Yeah. I think, you know, the people that you know, are able to chew themselves and kind of not sell out are the ones that are going to end up being you know, more successful in the end. That's at least yeah. what I'm going for. You know, I feel like I work really hard and I, you know, I don't bend for other people. And as long as I, you know, I'm authentic, then I can always say what I feel because it's true. And right. therein lies if I if I if I like a product or I like a company, it's that is actually how I feel. And so I'm not actually selling anything because it's what I already use right. and do. So yeah, um, you know, the second you start to align with things you don't agree with and you're not passionate about, then I feel like you run into problems and it's just, yeah, it's very short-sighted. Yeah. And so only a short term time that you can actually fool yourself and everybody else that you're into it anyway. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So we kind of touched on it, but when it came to retirement from sports, how did that happen? How did it happen? Like how like was the- it? I mean, however you want to answer it of like, how did it happen in your head? Or like, obviously we kind of know that it ended up happening because you had to, because injuries, unfortunately, but kind of, and again, it explains it more in the documentary. So as I was saying, I think more people should watch it, but if you can summarize it to whatever way you want to do. Yeah. I mean, I just got to a point where I had too many surgeries and I didn't want to retire, but it was kind of like, this is the only path. And I think honestly, being physically forced into retirement is probably one of the only ways I would actually retire because- I just love it so much. Like I would keep doing it. And honestly, when I was kind of my last few races and I was like, you know, kind of a crybaby about it, all my teammates and competitors were like, it's not that big of a deal. Like you did great, you know, retire and be happy. I'm like, you don't understand. Like I actually really love what I do and I don't want to stop doing it. So, you know, it was definitely a, something I had to really process in my mind. And then once I kind of wrap my head around it, um, cause I, you know, I, I want to, I want to walk when I'm older. Like I'd like I, to see when I'm older, I'd like to have kids. Like I'd like to ski with my kids. You know, it's like, I have to, at some point the, 
you know, the risk can't outweigh the reward. And that's kind of where I got to in the end. And I realized that. And so I, you know, made the call. I didn't want to be the person that said, you know, no, I can keep going. And then I have this big crash and I'm like, you know, long-term impaired and something terrible happens. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's really the only choice. So I did it. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it's something else that nobody understands from the outside is how like we are really destroying our bodies doing these things. Yeah. Like, I mean, injuries at a certain point, like I've had an injury since I'm like 15. It like comes and goes. I'm used to it. I mean, I fractured my vertebrae right before the Olympics. Um, It's normal, you know, but it's funny because it's like it's I've learned to deal with it. And I don't really like people talk to me about they're like, so how do you exist with a fractured vertebrae? And I was like, well, it's funny. I didn't know for a year that it's going to I'm going to have to deal with this for the rest of my life. So that <laughs> helped. But yeah. you learn how to manage the pain and it just yeah. becomes part of the game. And it, it is literally a question of am I going to be able to walk down the line? Like I've had, I had a knee surgery. Who knows if that won't act up. And I, my mom was like, are you going to walk by cane? I was like, I mean, if I have to, you know, I'll compete for a little bit, but if I have to walk with the cane, I'm still walking. It's really not the worst. Yeah. But that's the worst that could happen. Right. But that's not what like other people are really thinking about. They're kind of like, okay, you do this sport and you're, you're healthy. You don't have injuries. You're like, no, if you look at half these people, they have some kind of injury in their body and it's just maintaining it. And you, sometimes you have to stop because your body just can't handle it anymore, but it's abuse. I mean, we compete on concrete still to this day, which I don't understand, but it seems insane. Yes, I agree with you. And it's in a rule book that we're not allowed to compete on concrete, but sometimes they just cover it with felt and then you're not on concrete. <laughs> well, with this fencing thing here <laughs> to re- re- reassess the situation. Agreed. We've been trying to work on it, but you know, clearly still working on it. So maybe one day. And our last question, what advice would you give your younger self? It can be yourself outside of sport. It can be in sport, whatever you want. I wouldn't say anything because you know, when you're, you have to learn certain things in life. Like I would never try to change the outcome of things because I wouldn't be the person that I am today. So I never like to say, and I would have told myself something. I mean, would I have liked to have been not injured? Sure. But you know, that led me to me being me. So that's my path, you know, and I wouldn't change it. I respect that. Yeah. I always say that, like, I wouldn't, like, there's nothing I would change about my life, regardless of like how difficult it may have been, how many obstacles I came through. The only thing I would tell myself is I had the hardest time with this. And I still to this day do, I don't know if I'll ever be able to fully accept it, but, um, people are going to talk no matter what you do, you have success. They're like, Oh, it's cause she's lucky or, Oh, yeah. she's cheating or something, or, Oh, she's not doing well. It's cause she sucks. Like her career is over. There's always some kind of an opinion, regardless of what you're doing. And I always took that to heart and like people not liking me, I would take it personally. Yeah. It's hard. To I've learned there's just people you don't click with. And I mean, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person or whatever, but like, we're just never going to get along. You're not my cup of tea. And that doesn't mean that you're a horrible person. Sometimes it does, but not always. Yeah, no, actually, I actually, I agree with that. You know, it's like kind of just always believing in yourself, no matter what people say. I mean, but again, that's something that you kind of have to figure out. You know, because when people say that you have to look inside yourself and figure out, you know, why do I feel this way? And why are they saying this? And kind of that process is important, I think. Oh, for sure. I guess I just still struggle with it. So maybe it would have helped me process it a little bit quicker. I tell you, it's a lifelong struggle. I don't think it's ever going away. So, you know, hunker down. All right, cool. At least I feel better about knowing that at least you understand too. I get 
stuff all the time. It's really quite insane. And I have learned to um, just like say, who gives up? Yeah. You know, it's just like, whatever you have your own opinion. I don't really care. It's like, I'm myself and that's all there is. Like, I can't be anyone. I can't, I can only be myself. Everyone else is taken. So, right. you know, if you don't like me, then that's kind of your problem. That sounds like a you problem. Not exactly. A- exactly. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I'm sure that is, or that it, I've seen it be the case with you in media of like people spitting things out of control. I was like tagging some article because I commented on your photo and I like read this article. I was like, yeah, it's like, why aren't people even writing about this? Like, why am I being even included? Like my comment was like, you look amazing. Like, why is this included in this article? My yeah, opinion I, I on the way that she questions, but I have no idea myself. So, you know, <laughs> there's a million different things I question in the world. And, you know, I feel like it's a waste of energy and time. So yeah, live my life and be happy and that's the only thing you do. I love it. Well, that's all I have for you. I really appreciate your time. This was, it's, I mean, I don't know. I, my whole thing is I really want to show people the other side of things because again, we all live our different lives and being an athlete, I understand like we were saying injuries, personal life, how it affects us. And I just would like people to understand that when they are watching us compete and talking their mouths off of, Oh, I yeah. can do that. That's so easy. <laughs> A bit more perspective. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I agree. Well, thank you again. I appreciate all of it. Cool. All right. Well, everything will be linked down below or whatever in the podcast. So everyone can access that. And thank you. It was really great talking to you. Likewise. Again, sorry, but you'll find a better path. Everything will become clear. It is what it is. We'll figure it out. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.